so many people abandon the faith. And it seems to me this is the greatest issue. I've had people very, very close to me, people I've been very good in relationship with. And, and the thing that has trapped them up is not stupidity. It's not ignorance. It's not because they weren't in church enough, but it's because they bought into deception. And we're going to talk about deception today. I, I believe this is the, the great issue of the age is that people are running around deceived. I think a lot of the church is deceived. And uh, so it's, it's all on the mind. And let, let me just say this, that all sin, all sin starts in deception. All sin, whether it's, whether it's a lifestyle of sinning or whether it's a momentary sin or it's a sin that you're trying to lay down, it's always deception because you're, you're saying that what, what I want now is more important than, than my righteousness, than who I am in Jesus, what I want now. And so whether it's gossip, whether it's uh, sexual sin, any of those things, it all starts at deception. And so what we've got to do is we've, we've, we've got to, to eliminate the moments of deception, so we don't buy into the mentality of deception. Because there's a great difference, right? You have the moments where you're just deceived and you blow it and you're like, oh, dang, I screwed up. And you come to God. And then there's those that just be like, well, it's just the way it is. It's who I am. Are you with me? So all sin starts at deception. And man, I got a lot of scripture today. I'm going to try to get through it. Genesis chapter 3. Here we go. It says this, Genesis 3, verse 1. I love the Genesis account because I believe that we learn so much about who we are and our purpose and our destiny and the struggles that we have. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. He was clever that the Lord had made. He was more clever than all the animals that the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say... You must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden. Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. Right? Come on. How many know that you aren't going to eat from the tree that you don't touch? So just stay away. <laughs> Get out of town, right? And notice that when he came to her, she wasn't around the tree in this story. But So it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. So she's speaking of a place away. And then God said, you must not eat from that or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that, it, that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. How many know that she was already like God? She was already like God. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. She knew good from evil. There was only one thing that was evil. And this stupid devil, the woman was convinced. You know, it's stupid that the devil's saying this. What's even more foolish is her buying into it. The woman was convinced. She was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, which tells me that she had been spending some time looking at it, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give to her. Now, there was no wisdom in this tree. There's a difference between, she thought it was wisdom, but it wasn't wisdom. So she took, it, took some of the fruit and ate it, and then she gave some to her husband, 
like a good wife would do, <laughs> who was with her, and he ate it. And at that, by the way, you know where where we would be without women, right? In the Garden Garden of Eden. All right. Nah. Just kidding. And did. Yeah. At that moment, the eyes of them were opened and suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. You know, the thing about deception is it's deceiving. Right? Nobody ever is deceived and goes, I'm so deceived. Now, people go, I was deceived. Right? But no one looks at, de- at deception and goes, I'm just so deceived. I'm so deceived. Why? Because we know if we are deceived, we're going to do the best we can to no longer be deceived. So the bad thing about deception is it's deceiving. Come on. It is the greatest trap. The, the word uh, deception in the Greek, is we, uh, it's actually the same where we get the word hoodwinked. You guys know what hoodwinked is? It's where when someone would get somebody and put a bag over their head and take them off, blindfolded them. And so what deceptions means is that we totally have no idea where we're going. We're completely blind. And so what happens is when people are deceived is it ruins their ability to reason. It ruins their, their ability to exercise logic. And let me just say this. Deception and stupidity are not the same thing. There are people, listen, there are people in the world that have more initials in front of their name than you can even imagine that walk around that sweep bugs off the sidewalk so they don't step on them and kill somebody. It's not that they're stupid. It's that they're deceived. And there's a great difference between being stupid and deceived. So it it, it ruins our ability to reason. I mean, really? Step on a bug? And that's like... Hurting somebody that's been reincarnated into a bug. It sounds stupid, right? Well, they're not a stupid person. They've just bought into this mindset of being deceived. They're hoodwinked. It's right-filled justification. This is the other thing. is people go around and they do these things when they're deceived, and they say, we're right. This is the way I am. This is the way it's to be. And no matter how much reason or logic that you bring up to people, it's always a hard issue right? It's a hard issue. Some of you are snickering. It is a hard issue because we're deceived. So how does deception happen? How is one deceived? I want to talk for a minute about taking the bait. You know, when a fish is swimming around, we don't put like a piece of cardboard on a hook, do we? Right? We're not like, hey, don't you want some cardboard? I mean, catfish may eat cardboard, but you know, but if you want the right kind, if you want a certain kind of fish, you, you got to use the right kind of bait, right? And the reason why you use that bait is because that bait is appealing. And so what, what Eve did is, is this was the bait that the enemy was using. He was luring her in. And so how does this happen? How is someone deceived? First of all, is we entertain the lie. We entertain the lie. We listen. We, we start the conversation. And we're not talking about people, but we're talking about in our reasoning, we start having the conversation, is this okay? Did God really say? Number two, compromising the truth. Now, when we talk about compromising, we're also talking about manipulation, right? So here's the enemy, comes to Eve, and what does he say? Did God really say? 
Did God really say you can't eat any tree? I mean, there's a difference between asking God questions and questioning God. You can ask God questions. He's not bothered by your questions. The problem is, is when you question him, you question what he says is good. You question what he says is righteous. And then the moment questions start setting in, the justification, all these kinds of, did God really say, surely you won't die? How many know that Eve didn't die in that moment, but eventually she did? She was created to live forever with the body that God had given her. That's the way God created her as an eternal being, just like God is an eternal being. But eventually she died. Why? Because she ate the fruit. Surely you won't die. Manipulation. It's a distortion of the truth. Uh, and, and notice that Satan didn't just come up with someone. He manipulated the word of God, just like he did with Jesus. You guys remember, right? Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. The, Jesus is out being tempted. His destiny's on trial, right? I mean, before Jesus ever did a miracle, he was baptized from his father that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus goes into the desert, right, for 40 days and 40 nights. And then it says the enemy, the tempter, came to him. And he started tempting him. And so Jesus, the first time he said, and notice that every time the enemy tempted him, he, he asked him this, if you are the son of God. Listen, the enemy will always question your identity. That's why it's so important for us to have our identity in Jesus. Our life is hidden. Week one, we talked about that. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. This is my identity. My identity is in him. So the enemy will come into you and say, if you are a child of God, that's what he does. Did God really say? I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, when we believe the lie, we empower the liar. Isn't that good? So, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, it says, if you are the son of God, jump. Jump off. For scripture says he will order his angels protecting you. How many of you know that that was Scripture. It was good scripture. Come on, good promise scripture. Yes, the angels will protect me. And here's the enemy using it. What is he doing? Manipulating truth. Then he will hold you up with his hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus replied, the scriptures also say. Because how many know we don't build theology on one scripture? We have the whole canon to build theology on. Word. Put that on your little thing. Magnet. Do not judge. Why don't you read the rest of the verse and the whole New Testament? Everybody's favorite verse. Nobody likes being offended. All right. Jesus responded, the scriptures must say that you must not test the Lord your God. What is testing the Lord your God? Questioning God. <clears throat> so he believed the lie and was overcome. Jesus knew the truth and overcame. Are you with me? And so this is the point of destiny. The destiny for Eve became destruction, death, sin entered the world because she was deceived. The enemy, same enemy, came to Jesus, tried to deceive him, and Jesus knew the truth. He knew the word, and he spoke it. The enemy tried to manipulate the truth, but Jesus knew the trickery that the enemy was trying to do. And so Jesus was launched into his destiny from the, the difficult season. Number three, accepting and believing the lie. Again, we believe the lie, we empower the liar. She saw that the food was beautiful. Now, was it beautiful? It was appealing. 
It was beautiful. It was beautiful on the outside. What it did to her was not beautiful. So she looked at the temporary. She wanted the wisdom that it gave her. It wasn't wisdom. It was going to strip her of her innocence. It was sin. You know, the enemy will always come as an angel of light. Second Corinthians chapter 11, it says that, that the devil comes as an enemy of light. He is not going to tempt you with something that is not appealing. <laughs> you know, we used to do human videos all the time, you know, like 10 years ago. That was like the jam, maybe longer than that. And uh, so everybody was doing like these human videos. And, you know, here's the guy. You guys have seen all the human videos, right? They're like doing the human videos. And the guy's like there. And then, it, like, you know, the dramas. Because I mean, they're on the vernacular human video. That's what we call them. They're like humans doing a, like a music video. But it's live. It was like a drama. And so they would come. And, you know, I had a song. And they're like they were all tempting the guy with the booze and the cigarettes and the drugs. And he's like putting the thing in. And then Jesus comes and dies. You guys know, right? You've seen all the, we've all the same drama, same story. And so, but some of you, like, some of you watch that and you're like, I don't connect with that because I don't really deal with the booze thing. And I don't really deal with the drug thing. Those aren't the things that bother me. I mean, you know, the, the, the enemy is crafty enough to not come and tempt you with something that you're like solid on. You know, where he tempts us is where we're, where we're kind of, I, I want to say weak, but where we're strong. Like if we're real strong at gossip, then he's going to tempt us in offense. So we'll gossip. Right? So it's just the way the enemy works. He is crafty, but it'll always come as an angel of light. It'll always look pretty. It'll always seem beautiful. I'm going to read this to you this morning. I don't want to get hung up on the issue this morning. These are things that we, we can have conversations about. But, but I believe that there is a chapter in Scripture uh, that we can read and look at, at our age, the age that we live in. I believe Romans chapter 1 speaks specifically to the age that we are living in. Listen to this. And again, we're talking about accepting and believing the lie. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, God shows his anger, not showed, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth with their wickedness. Isn't it interesting that truth can be suppressed with wickedness? They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they are clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, important, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused deceived claiming to be wise they instead became utter fools and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living god they worshiped idols made to look like mere people we talked about this in week one the greatest idol and the greatest religion of the age is the worship of self so they made idols to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles so god abandoned them to do now, I know that this sounds weird for America, people worshiping birds, animals, and reptiles, but people actually in the world do these weird things. So God abandoned them. What does that mean? That means God gave them over to the God that they were worshiping, the idols. 
You can read about this in Ezekiel where it talks about this is, this is God's response to idolatry. When we worship idols, God says, well, if that's a God you want, then you can have what he has to offer you. That's the way God judges idolatry. I know that that sounds mean-spirited, but it's not mean-spirited because God provided a way through Jesus. The way is always out. You can always get out. Sometimes the way out is run. So, and God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. So God gave them over. He's like, you want to worship that God? You want to justify those things? Then go ahead. If you want to abandon me, then go ahead. I've done all I can do. I've provided Jesus for you. If you want to reject him, that's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead and worship your little gods. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies, and they traded the truth about God for a lie. So this is what deception does. It believes the lie. And this, if you go on to read this chapter, it goes on to deal specifically with homosexuality. It deals with violence. It deals with uh, dishonoring of parents, idolatry. It actually says that, that every kind of wickedness that was rampant on the earth, God gave them over to. It said that they even created new ways to sin. Utter wickedness. Why? Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They were hoodwinked. They were deceived. This is the greatest issue of the age, is deception. We could deal with all the sins that we talked about right there, but the issue at the core is deception. People calling what is evil good and what is good evil. The, 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 the thing on the church, and even though church, the church does this, we're so evil as the church. No, 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 the church is good. We are still the bride of Christ. We are imperfect and flawed, but we are the only plan God has for the earth. So quit putting down your brother and quit talking about how judgmental Christians are and show the love of Jesus. It does you no good to sit around and bash other believers. What do you It's just so stupid. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. That's deception. Jesus said they'll know you because your love for one another, not even your love for them, your love for one another. And so what's happening, this is what, what has happened. I was talking to Mark about this on Thursday. Uh, what has happened in our society is about 10, 15 years ago, everybody was throwing around this truth as relative thing, right? And so what happened is you have all these people building philosophies as well. What might be true for you might not be true for me. Eventually, that's a self-defeating statement. If you can think about that for a minute, once you say truth is relative, it kind of... It's no longer truth because someone says, well, truth is relative. Is that true? Might be true for you, but not true for me. Is that true? Right? It just, it's self-defeating. And so this mindset, postmodernism kind of set in and people were running with this. Well, now, because people have abandoned the truth for what they think is true, it's allowed us to enter into immorality and abandonment of God and in the abandonment of truth. Listen, all these issues... All these issues are out to discredit the truth of God's word. So what we're going around saying is we're creating new Bibles that make certain sins justifiable. We're saying, God, that's not really a sin. We're questioning all these things that are very clear cut in scripture. And we're, why? Because it's not, a, not necessarily an attack on people. It's an attack on truth. Listen, the truth is unchanging. Are you with me? You guys okay today? Um, Number four. Okay. 
So accepting and believing the lie, we have got to stop it there. So this is how deception says in number four, cooperation with the liar. And so what happens is once we're deceived, many people that, that become deceived become deceivers. They start lying all the time. Um, the moment we agree with the liar is the moment we disagree with God. Again, it's, it's the moment versus the mindset. We're not talking about the moment you were deceived, you screwed up. We're talking about the persistence of that thing to justify wickedness, the condition of deception. You guys understand that, right? You can have moments where you're deceived. We do it probably every day. It's okay for me to have a negative attitude towards this person because they did, we justify that, right? You're deceived. It's not okay. It's not okay for you to be selfish, it's not okay, right? We, we fall into that every day. There's a difference between living in that and justifying it. Yeah, sure, it is okay for me to be selfish. I go to work every day. I have rights. Dead people don't have rights. Where do they, who do you think they are? Well, who do you think you are? You're nobody. Your life is hidden in Christ. You're only somebody because of the one who is in you. Okay. So don't cooperate with a liar. And eventually, if you just kind of blow those things off and you just kind of allow it to just pick at you, eventually you'll give in to deception. That's why it's important that we're growing. It's quiet in here. Okay, John chapter 8. Now, Jesus is dealing with the religious people. We talked about this, I believe it was last week. We associate the religious people of Jesus' day with the church. That is not to be, those, those are not the same thing. Are you with me? When Jesus is talking to the religious people, he's not talking to local church. He's talking to religious people. In general, right? We talked about that. The greatest religion in the world is the religion of self. If you want to look at Christians in the Bible and God's attitude toward Christians in the Bible, read the book of Acts. The Acts of the apostles, the believers. Okay, so when Jesus was dealing with the religious, he was dealing with lost people, people that didn't know God, who were, who were trying to show their righteousness by the things that they did. Y'all okay? All right. John chapter 8, verse 42, Jesus told them, because they were like, Abraham's our father, God's our father, we're, we're of the line, we're the ones. And then Jesus said, if God were your father, you would have loved me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Why? They were shut off. For you are the children of your father, the devil. There's a good scripture for your refrigerator. We don't really have a problem with scriptures on refrigerators. You should have scriptures on your refrigerators and bathroom mirrors and yeah, those things. And and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. What is that? Deception. Which of you can truly, truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Mm. But you do not listen because you don't belong to God. Now we've talked a lot about the way that we treat people that don't know God. You don't hold this standard for people that don't know God. Are you guys with me? We're, we're not trying to impose Christianity on people that aren't Christians. It doesn't work. 
That's focusing on behavior. We focus on heart, the condition of the heart, right? And so we're not going to go around holding up, you know, look at your sin, look at your sin. That doesn't do any good. It does no good to focus on behavior modification, only heart transformation. However, there is an attack on truth. And as the body of Christ, we must be people that declare the truth. The problem is, is we become known for what we're against versus what we're for. And as the body of Christ, people need to know us as, pos- as positive, not just the things that we're against. Are we against certain things? Absolutely. We're against sin. We're against destruction. We're against deception. We're for Jesus. We're for people. Are you with me? So, don't cooperate with a liar. I know that it's kind of mixed up. It's coming together. Walking in freedom. Okay, how many of you guys want to walk in freedom? You never want to be deceived. Me, I don't ever want to get there. You say, well, God's grace will just cover you. That, listen, that's your first deception right there. Because I know, I know probably hundreds of people that have abandoned the Lord because they're deceived. Because they just live their own life. And they say, well, you know, I made a decision one day. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And because of that, I'm okay forever. That's a deception. Do you know that asking Jesus into your heart isn't even in the Bible? Surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus is. Come on. Allowing your life. That doesn't mean that you don't have issues that you're struggling with, but it's, it's a walk with God. God called you into relationship, not a moment. Come on. Are you with me? We love those moments. It's a great place to start. Great place to start. And we'll do that. But this is, that is not the goal. Because once that becomes, the, the goal is knowing God. And once that moment becomes the goal, then that, that's as far as we go with it. And then we're open to deception and all those kind of things. Okay. You okay today? Okay. I mean, this is a hard message. All right. So walking in freedom from deception. Number one, remember, desires are deceitful. Desires are deceitful. That worm on that hook is very appealing. The desire for that is deceitful. Listen, we must never follow our heart. We must always lead it. Just follow your heart, right? Just be who you are. Don't be scared. Be who you are. Be who God called you to be. Don't be who the, the, you know, I don't don't understand this religion of self, this self-promotion. I'm just going to be who I am. Well, hopefully your life is hidden in Christ. Hopefully it's the righteousness of Jesus. That's, hopefully that's who you are. If you don't like, well, it's not about me liking it. It's about God liking it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart's deceptive. Your heart is deceptive. Your desires will trick you. Right? Come on, how many with me? Your, desire, your desires are not always pure because you still live in a, in a carnal body. That's why you got to do what Paul said, die daily. Because your desires will jack you up. God's standard is never based upon desire. God's standard is never based upon what you want. It's always based upon what he wants. Y'all okay today? All right, Ephesians chapter 4. I know that today's tough. You're like, could you be funny or something? I'm uncomfortable. Ephesians chapter 4. I'll try. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That's the way I was born. That's right. And that was rotten, sinful born. So you got to be born again a second time in the righteousness of Jesus, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You got to put that off. Shake it off, shake it, put it off, put it off. Right? There you go. I made you laugh. Okay. You're having fun. To be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Here it goes. And speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, he, he, uh, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. And he may have something to share with those in need. The word foothold here, when it says don't give the enemy a foothold, is, is the word opportunity or place. It, 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 picture with me a house. And in that house, there's many places, right? You have closets. You have drawers. Sometimes you have drawers and closets. And so when, when Paul is speaking here, he's saying, do not give the enemy a foothold. Don't give him any place. Not a thought, not a little place in a drawer somewhere, not inside a sock rolled up. Get it out of here. Give no place. Listen, because the devil will get you on the smallest detail. All he needs is a foot in the door. All he needs is just one little thing. He just needs one little, to, to get into your life and deceive you and jack you up and screw up your destiny and deceive you and buy you into the liar and bring him into agreement. All it takes is one little issue. So don't just say, oh, I'm just kind of working through it. No, you develop a hatred and an anger towards evil in your life. Now, you, you treat people different than you think about your own issues. We won't talk about that. But this is what the enemy does. He baits us with desire. Oh, I just have this one little thing. It's all good. Nobody knows about this other thing, though, because it's in a closet somewhere rolled up in a sock inside a drawer. And you're not coming clean on it, and it's just something you continue to continue to go to. So no little white lie, no small offense, no, that bothers me. You get rid of that. Beloved, the enemy wants to devour you. That word devour means to drink. In the Greek, the word devour means to drink. So the enemy wants to drink you down. Are you with me? He wants to, he wants to consume, God wants to consume you also, but the enemy wants to destroy you because he knows that the only way God's kingdom is advanced on the earth is through the body. So he's like, if I can just jack them up and get them thinking wrong, then they'll never do what God's created them to do. So he's got, listen, God's got a plan on the earth. So does the devil. So don't play. It just takes one bite to be utterly deceived. Just one bite. One more time. It could be the next time and you're totally bought in. So don't think you're okay. Uh, it's just kind of working through it. You need a quick kind of working through it and just get over it. Confess it to somebody. Get it before the Lord. Get somebody you can be accountable to this thing that you keep dealing with. Get it out in the open. That's the only way deception is, 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 that you can be free from it is to get it out in the open. Number two, the truth sets free. So if we're going to walk in freedom, remember desires are deceitful. Number two, the truth sets free. 
Now, listen, there can be truth, and then, but you must have a revelation of that truth. Are you with me? So the truth doesn't change, right? But truth, when we come into a revelation of what the truth is, then we're free. Listen, the, the nature of truth is that it is absolute. It has no middle ground, no compromise. It's not soft nor pliable. It must be presented with tenderness and love. Ephesians 4.15. So when we present the truth, we present it with love. Are you with me? Why? Because the truth is offensive. Look up at me. The truth is offensive. When we are opposed to the truth, it is always offensive. Your zipper's down. Offensive. But you need to know. But do we do it? Look, your zipper's down, moron. You're not even hit when you learned that when you were eight years old. Right? That's when it becomes accusing. So it must be presented truth. Listen, truth is the only reality that will bring freedom. Love won't bring freedom. Look up at me. Love won't bring freedom. Truth brings freedom. It's not love that brings people freedom. It's the truth. The truth is God loves you, but love alone won't set people free. Love alone will not set people free. I can love my wife every day. She got a piece of dried up spaghetti from dinner last night on her cheek. I can love her all day long and just cut. But if, but, if, but if I don't tell her, if I don't bring attention to the spaghetti, it's on her face. She ain't ever going to wash it off. And she'll never be free of that funk on her face. Right? Truth is the only reality that will bring freedom to the oppressed. It must be championed. Listen, love without truth is a hate-filled lie. Love without truth is a hate-filled lie. So you can be hateful with the truth, or you can be loving with the truth. But loving without the truth is a lie. Are you with me? So we've got all this, we just need to love one another because it's a reaction because we have been so offensive and we've been so unloving. Now we're kind of like, well, we just kind of be loving and never talk about anything. And the greatest fear today for the church is that we offend the world. How many remember the story about a guy named Jesus that was offending people? Now, listen, we do not pride ourselves in offense. If you walk around and you like, you get a thrill off offending people, you've got a problem. If you like to provoke, what do you think about that? That's a questioner. We don't need people like that around either. Come on, are you with me? But if you, and, and don't, don't call it love when it's not love. And that's what we do. Well, I do love you, so I'm telling you. God hates that, right? And you're like, I love you. That's what I'm telling you. How many of you know that there's a difference between doing it gently and humbly and, 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 and then being ugly and abrasive? Listen, the truth is abrasive, but let it do its work. Love opens the door, but it's the truth that sets people free. So you've got to open the door with love. You've got to lead with love. We've got to bring the love to the table. That has got to be the motivation. It's got to be the motivation, but it's the truth that will set people free. And I said it before, there there is an assault on truth right now. And it is not a battle that we're winning. I'll just be real honest. But if we're just mansy-pansing around, hope we don't offend somebody, and our churches are growing and nobody's truly getting saved, then we haven't done our job. Whew. Now, personally, the truth sets you free also, so you've got to stay sober-minded. 
You've got to saturate yourself with truth. You've got to surround yourself with people that won't just speak flattery to you. Come on. Listen, if people, here, I'll, I'll, I'll interpret that for you. Don't, don't surround yourself with people that will flatter you with lies. Oh, you're okay. And dude, I totally like screwed up again. Oh, it's okay. It's not okay. Will you, will you surround yourself with somebody that'll say, it's not okay, man. We're going to get through it. And, and the, the good thing is God loves you, and that hasn't changed. And the good thing is, is we're going to get through this. That's love. Listen, love doesn't just stand on a a street corner and preach the truth. Love gets down and lives life and and pours. That's what we got to do. We got to love people. You know, there's, we we see groups all over town. They got their signs out. It's like, really, you think that's doing any good? It's just really ticking people off. And it's like, so we can, you can say the same thing with love and it'll be a lot more productive. I need to go love on them. So we say, hate, hate, hate. Look at that hate. Look at that. And we're just hating, right? I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. Why? Because there's just so much deception. Are you all okay today? Okay, so, so personally, we got to stay sober-minded by being saturated with the truth and, and not surrounding ourselves with people uh, that will flatter us with lies. And we've got to renew our mind daily. The renewing of the mind by the washing of the word. We've got to get in the word. Why is this the truth? That's what frees us. Listen, you've got, if you're not in the word every day, sucker, you better get in the word. How are you going to be free from evil if you don't even have scripture? In your heart. If you don't, you know, Psalm 119 says that, that thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Are you, are you, do you have God's word inside of you? So when the enemy comes and manipulates the word, do you have enough word in you to speak the truth back? Number three, join the resistance. What's the resistance? Well, that's what we're doing. We're fighting against sin. We're not fighting against people. I said we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against sin. So wake up and be re- aggressive against your sin. This is what the resistance is. And let me just say this. Just because the desire doesn't go away doesn't mean it's a free pass for you. Well, I just keep feeling that way, so I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. I guess that's who I am. That's, that's a lie. You've got to wake up every day and die to that. There's desires I have that I've got to wake up every day and die to. There's desires, and it might take 30, 40 years for it to go away. But that's not who I am anymore. I'm a child of God, and children of God don't act like that. Come on. Uh, you know, Romans 12, 9 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. How do you know if love is sincere? If it hates what is evil, and it clings to what is good. With the sins of others, we always treat it with tenderness, just like Jesus did. Especially, the difference is this, especially when the sin it le- is leading to brokenness. And they're like, man, my woman at the well, right? Jesus dealt with her tenderly. The religious, they had sin. What did Jesus do? He was firm. Why? Right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right? You guys with me? Okay. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant. 
Because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion. But the devil's an imitator and a liar and, and a manipulator. So he rolls around like a lion too. Except for his thing is to devour you. Jesus, the, the, the good lion, wants to devour you in a good way. Come on, are you with me? The enemy wants to devour you. He wants to swallow you up. Listen, he is on the prowl for you. When you wake up, because you have destiny, because God is expanding his kingdom through you, when you wake up, the devil like, it's time to go. Get him. Let's get him. Would we be, would we live such lies when we wake up, the enemy trembles. Here they come. Oh no. We, we need to oppose the enemy. Directly oppose him. Because listen, he's one to take you out. So we need to walk around with holy rifles, right? Come on. Seeking whom he may devour. If you're easily Influenced by the enemy, he seeks you out more because you're easy to devour. So resist him. There it is, the resistance. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So you've got to decide, am I going to be devoted or am I going to be devoured? (laughs) Am I going to stand firm? Am I going to be aggressive towards the sin and hate the sin in my life? Am I just going to accept it? Mm. All right, number four. Y'all are right today? Number four, be quick to repent. Let me tell you, one of the most important things for you to do is develop a sensitive conscience. That when we screw up, that we're like, dang it. You know, sometimes it gets on my nerves when people are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You guys ever have that? Someone apologizes to you, something, you're like, oh man, it's okay, it's, we're good. And then they come back to you five minutes later and do that. That's an issue also, but it's even a greater issue of never going to God with your sin. Thank God. Listen, it's not that God is demanding it. I believe he is, but, it's, but we don't go to him on those basis. We go to them because we're like, man, God, I, I know that this isn't your destiny. I know you didn't design me for this. I'm so sorry for, for, for biting the lie. So be quick to repent, and not just to God. We talked about this last week. We talked about isolation, not just to God. You need to find somebody. Guys, this is so crucial. For some reason, when God's the only one that knows about our sin, it's easier for us to keep on doing it. But when people know about it, it provides a little bit of tangible accountability. So you got to just go to somebody. Somebody you can trust. You're going to have to be vulnerable and be humble. Secrets keep you sick. Your secrets are keeping you sick. The reason why you can't move on is because you got too many secrets. So are you going to keep living with secrets and living in the dark and living deceived, or are you going to come into the light? It's really up to you. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you can be healed. That tells me that I need to not just go to anybody, but I need to go to somebody that's going to pray with me.